Welcome to Living the Bible Together. This is Dr. Troy Shaw, pastor of the Liberty Hill Church, internationally headquartered in Columbus, Ohio, located at 4410 Refugee Road. We worship here online Sundays at 11 a.m. We celebrate communion on the first Sunday of each month. Our Bible study is on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. For additional information, log on to livingthebibletogether.org. Join us here weekly as we're living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry. Liberty Hill, living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry. This is another day that the Lord has made. We ought to be glad and rejoice. Hearts lifted up toward God because we've had yet and have another day to get it right before the Lord as the Holy Spirit leads and guides us in the way of Christ. I'll tell you this evening is a great evening to give one's life to Christ. And any time during this worship experience, this Bible study, you're able to join our church by simply using the contact tab within your LHB app to let us know name, number, and intention, and we will contact you real soon. Additionally, you may go to our church website, livingthebibletogether.org, and hit the red button that says join. Finally, if you're not listening tonight from the LHB app, you certainly should be. And so go out there to the church website, to livingthebibletogether.org, and click on Liberty Hill at the top of the page and download the app so that you might have the full resources of our great fellowship. There are three ways to give tonight. If you would like to give toward this ministry, you may give through the LHB app by using the Give tab. You may go once again to the church website, livingthebibletogether.org, and use the contribution tab that you will see there. Finally, you may give by texting your donation to 614-505-4222. Again, 614-505-4222. Any of you who would like to contact us by mail or mail a contribution may use our mailing address, Post Office Box 32050. Tonight, we are favored to have Minister Kelly Shaw, who is the founder of Kelly Shaw Ministries and an author. We are privileged tonight to have her and for this month to have her as our Bible study teacher. And we ask the Lord's blessings upon tonight's lesson as we might continue to grow spiritually and be like the Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. God bless you and keep you is our prayer. Good evening, Liberty Hill. Tonight's Bible study will be coming out of Genesis chapter 45 with our primary focus being on verses 1 through 15. Again, that is Genesis chapter 45 with our primary focus being on verses 1 through 15. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for yet another opportunity to come together to study your word. Lord, it is my prayer that you open every heart to receive all it is that you would have for us to receive. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your joy. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray this prayer. Amen. Again, tonight's Bible study is coming from Genesis chapter 45. And beginning at verse uh, 1, it reads as follows. And I'll be reading the King James Version. Then Joseph could not reframe himself before all that stood by him. And he cried. Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made known himself unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Do my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall be. There shall neither be earing or harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth. 
and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God, and he have made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye and go up to my father and say unto him, thus saith the son Joseph, thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt, come down unto me, tarry not. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children and thy children's children, and thy flocks and thy herds and all thou hast. And there will I nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. And behold, your eyes see, and the eyes of my brethren Benjamin, that is my mouth that speaketh unto you. And ye shall tell my father all of all my glory in Egypt, and all that ye have seen, and ye shall haste and bring down my father hither. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. So endeth the reading. And so here in the text, we find Joseph revealing himself to his brother, his brethren. So one might ask, why does Joseph have to reveal himself to his brethren? You know, what is the reason behind him revealing himself to his brethren? Was he adopted? Was this some type of um, situation where he was adopted and um, he sought out his family and uh, had to share with him them that who he was? No, this is not this case. This is a case of revealing himself because he had been estranged from the family for over 20 years. And the reason for this estrangement is not because of something that Joseph had done, but it was something that was done um, to him. His brethren, his brothers had um, sold him into slavery. So to give us some, so to give you some history, what happened was, which happens in a lot of our families, where there's some family dramas. There's a situation, a situation has arise where Joseph and um, Joe. Well, let me back up. Joseph's father's name is Jacob, and Jacob had a lot of children. He had twelve sons and a daughter, um, and he had these kids by four women. Two were primary wives and two were like secondary wives. They were like maidservants. And he had, he ended up having 13 children. And one of the primary wives' name was, they were sisters, one uh, named Leah and the other one named Rachel. And he favored Rachel over Leah. Um, Rachel, however, was the basically the love of his life who he favored more over the other wives. He had two children by her, and that those children were Joseph and Benjamin. And because of this, because of how he felt about this wife, he tended to favor her children more than he favored the others. So, um, Benjamin was a lot younger than Joseph, um, so it was more obvious with um, Joseph um, than the other son. And so throughout life, throughout the family situation, he favored Joseph. He, in fact, even gave Joseph a coat of many colors. Um, and Joseph would wear that coat around the brothers and things like that. So within any family, when a parent particularly favors one child over the other, it breeds jealousy. It breeds envy. And so not only were they jealous because of how J- uh, Joseph was favored by his father, Jacob, um, Joseph also uh, was kind of like a, well, not kind of, he was a tattletale. He was like a snitch. His father would send him out to um, feed the flock with his brothers or to check on his brothers. And um, this one particular day, he he brought back a bad report. He told of some stuff that they had been doing. They had been doing something that wasn't right, that was not pleasing to their father. And so with that... They didn't like him. They actually, the Bible tells us that they actually hated him. And so he knew that they hated him. And so 
Jacob, I mean, Joseph started having these dreams and the dreams he would have, um, symbolized that he would, that the family, that his, the first dream he had symbolized that the brothers would one day bow down to him. And so he revealed this dream to the brothers and he was revealing this dream to brothers who did not care for him, that in fact hated him. And so why would he do that? is the same reason why some of us would do it. There's oftentimes we are revealing things to people who don't like us, don't care about us, but for some reason we feel the need to share with them what God is going to do in our lives. So basically what he is doing is he is revealing to the brothers his destiny, what his um, purpose in life will be. He's sharing with the brothers what God is showing him. Um, the problem with that is he's sharing it with people that don't don't like him, don't care for him. And so, of course, on top of being favored by his father and on top of sharing his dream, they really don't like him. They hated him even more. So then Jacob, I mean, Joseph has another dream. And this time uh, it reveals that not only will he be, will the brothers be bowing down and serving him, but it also showed that his father and his mother um, would be uh, bowing down to him. Now, it's important for us to t uh, take note that his, his biological mother, which was Rachel, she died on the way to um, uh, back to when jo Jacob was headed back to his father's land. She died in childbirth, giving birth to Benjamin. So um, for him to reveal that his mother and father will be um, bowing to him, it's an indication that perhaps um, maybe Leah or one of the other mothers had took on that motherly role. So now that we got that out the way, so he shares that information and that information, he shares the information about the second dream, not only with his brothers, but he also told his father, everybody kind of, well, the brothers hated him more. The father kind of scolded him on it, but the father also took, um, he took that uh, dream into consideration. He didn't just dismiss it. Um, it kind of bothered him, but he didn't dismiss it. So again, Jacob is hate. I mean, Joseph is hated by his brothers. Um, they went to feed. They were somewhere feeding the flock. The father, again, sends him to go check on the brothers. And this time when they go check on him, um, when he goes to check on him, they see him at a distance and they plotted to kill him. They want to get rid of what they call the dreamer. Um, and it's it's interesting that they named him the dreamer. Let's, let's kill this dreamer. Let's see what becomes of his dreamer. So they plotted against him. The first plot was to kill him. And let's pause right there. There are those who, again, he was sharing his dream with those who didn't love him. I mean, didn't care about him, didn't, that hated him, was envious with him. And in turn, they were plotting to, to destroy his dream. They, they thought that they had the power to, um, destroy whatever it is that God was going to do in his life. So they called him the dreamer. So there is people out here that we must come to understand. Everybody is not going to be excited about what God is going to be doing in your life. Again, I will repeat that. Everybody is not going to be excited about what God is going to, what he is planning to do in your life, including family. And that's a tough pill to swallow for many of us because we would think that our family would be so excited for us. But there are times when people pretend to be, there's going to be times where people pretend to be excited, but secretly are envious of you. And then there's going to be people that is just outright, just, they just um, don't like it. And they'll actually verbalize that and that can be hurtful for some so again we have to be careful who we share the um what god, the promises and the plans of what god is doing in our life so they see him again they see him at a distance they're plotting to kill let's kill this dreamer but in the process of plotting this one of the brothers was like nah let's not do that which was um the oldest brother reuben he's like let's not do that let's just throw him Let's just throw him in the pit. And the oldest brother was planning to throw him in the pit, but then later come and retrieve him. Um, so, but in the meantime, they agreed to throw him in the pit. But in the meantime, um, while they threw him in the pit, I think it's interesting for us to um, know that they sat down and ate. How could you plot against your own family member, throw them in a pit, and then after you throw them in a pit, you're still plotting because you're you're still planning his demise, 
you sit down and break bread together. You sit down to eat. So they real that shows us that they really did not care about their brother. They really did not want to see him win. They didn't. They wanted to destroy his life. So we have to be careful also for those who can plot against us, but then they have no conscience. They can still sit down and um, break bread and still eat. And so they break bread and eat, and then they see um, some Ishmaelites coming um, who are headed down to Egypt, um, and they decided to sell him. And so they sell Joseph to the Ishmaelites, um, and then... In the meantime, their oldest brother, Reuben, must have not have been present when all of this transpired because his plan was to come back and retrieve um, Joseph. But when he comes back, he's gone. They've already sold him. So then they devise another plan. How, what are we going to tell our father? So what they did is when they had, before they threw him in the pit, they stripped him of his coat. And so now they have his coat. They um, devise a plan to kill um, an animal and dip the coat in blood to make it seem like he, um, that Joseph had got attacked by some animals. So they came up with the plan. They were all on one accord with this plan. They went back to the father. Of course, the father is grieved by it. I mean, he is terribly grieved by it, especially because he was the son that was favored. And so in the meantime, they go on about their lives. Joseph is headed to Egypt. Joseph gets to Egypt. He gets sold again to, or handed off to, um, he gets sold again to, he ended up in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar, in Potiphar's house, he um, ended up flourishing in Potiphar's house. He, um, Potiphar ends up putting him over everything in his house. He was like his house manager. He had control of everything. And Joseph was, um, flourishing in that environment and then as he's flourishing in his environment another situation arises where Potiphar's wife got her is got her eyes on Joseph and wants to um have sex with Joseph he wants she wants to um bed him and Joseph denies her he doesn't he brings up the fact that you know this would be terrible in the sight of God and he rejects her offer. This upsets her and she turns and she accuses him of trying to rape her. She tells her husband that the husband turns around, even though he has done all this great stuff for um, Potiphar's house, he chose to believe the wife and sends Joseph to prison. So all these things are happening to Joseph along this journey. Joseph is in prison. He ends up flourishing there. He's being put in charge of different things in the prison over the other prisoners. And in the meantime, as this is happening, Pharaoh ends up sending his baker and his butler to prison. And while there, they have a dream. They both have dreams. So one, uh, one has a dream, um, and he shares the dream with Joseph, and Joseph interprets that dream and tells him that he's going to be restored to um, Pharaoh's house. And then he tells, he that's the butler, he tells him he's going to restore, he's going to be restored to Pharaoh's house. And then he tells the um, baker that he, he has a dream also. But his dream is not so good. He's going to be um, his. He's going to be um, killed. And so um, Joseph interprets those dreams. But as he interprets the dream, he tells the one the, uh, for the butler. He tells him, "When you are restored to your position, remember me. Tell basically tell Pharaoh about me. Tell him how I was basically falsely accused, and I'm in here, and I'm innocent, and I haven't done anything wrong." And the butler says, yeah, you know, basically, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that I do that. He is restored to his position, but he forgets about Joseph. He forgets about Joseph for about two years until one day Pharaoh has a dream. And in that dream, Pharaoh, um, he has a, he has two dreams back to back. 
and these two dreams are troubling for him. And the butler hears that, you know, he comes to understand that Pharaoh has had these dreams that have troubled him. And then that's when he remembered Joseph and he remembered what Joseph did for him. And he remembered that Joseph interpreted his dream. And so Pharaoh calls for Joseph to come out of prison. Joseph shaves his face and changes his garments and goes before Pharaoh. And he interprets Pharaoh's dream. And then not only does he interpret Pharaoh's dream because the dream was basically that um, Egypt was going to be in a famine. They were going to have seven good years of plenty and then followed by in the seven good years of plenty, there was going to be seven um, years of famine. And he didn't even stop there. He didn't just interpret the dream. He also gave Pharaoh wisdom on how to get through those years of lack. And so Pharaoh chose Joseph to be the person. He raised him. He elevated him to the position of making sure um, he raised him to position to be able to manage Egypt so Egypt wouldn't suffer through the seven years of famine. So he raised uh, Joseph out of, he brought him out of prison and then he elevated him to second in command. He was the governor. He was second in command, meaning that he held all this power except for the power of the king's seat, meaning that he didn't trump Pharaoh, but he was up there with Pharaoh, but he didn't hold the power of or the position of the king of the Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh placed all this in Joseph's hand and Joseph came up, you know, he he um, executed the plan that he, that he had um, given Pharaoh that would help them through the years of lack. And so, in the meantime, um, Pharaoh gives him a wife to marry. He ends up having two children. And now, two years into the famine, uh, there's a change of events. People are from all over are coming to Egypt because the, the famine has affected basically all over the world. So, people are coming to Egypt to buy grain. And so, what happens is... As people are coming to buy grain, his brothers who sold him into, who threw him in the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites, which ended up bringing him to Egypt, they show up because their family is affected by the famine. Their father sent them to Egypt to buy grain. So here they come upon the scene and they are now in Joseph's presence buying grain. But the thing about it is, they didn't recognize Joseph at first. Joseph recognized them, but they didn't recognize Joseph. And so, Joseph recognizes them, and he begins to question them. He, he didn't reveal who he was right away. He begins to question them. He begins to question them like, you know, who are you? And he starts accusing them of being, he knew that they wasn't spies, but he started accusing them, um, which most scholars believe that that was, a, uh, that was his way of trying to draw out information. So he starts accusing them of being spies. And also he started like talking to them very harshly and rough. And uh, many of us would be looking, before we start judging Joseph, we would be looking like, well, we should be looking at it within our own lives, you know. Um, I'm sure that there's been situations that have occurred in our own lives. And I know as Christians, we are supposed to be oh so loving and so quick to forgive. But again, here Joseph is, he, his brothers have come to by grain, they don't know who he is, but he knows who they are. And then he's he's accusing them of being spies. He's talking harshly to them. He's basically treating them bad. And and that is a reflection of some of our own lives where people have done us wrong. Yes, they threw him in a pit. He hadn't done anything to them that was deserving of that. Now, I'm not going to say he didn't do anything to him because he used to tell on him and do all that. But that was never, that was not deserving of death. 
And so he was, again, he's talking rough to him. He's being mean to him. But again, in our own lives, when people have done stuff and we, we talk rough to them, we, 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 we treat them bad. We start accusing them of things because really what we're looking for is to pay them back for what they have done to us. And so again, starting out, Joseph is not treating them good at all. He's accusing them. He's talking rough. Then he's, um, he actually set them up. He was setting them up, um, like by, um, making it seem like they didn't, he, when they would pay for the grain, he would have his attendants put the money back in their sacks to make it look like they didn't pay for something. And then that happened. And then, um, they end up buying the grain from him. He still hasn't revealed who they are. So stay with me on this. He, they buy grain from him and he tells them that not only was he treating them bad, but he also took one of the brothers and held him basically what you call, no, he, before he did that, he actually put them in jail. He put them in prison. So all of this, him talking roughly to them, him accusing them of being spies, and then him putting them in jail, and they were fearful. They were scared. It was obvious. They were scared. Um, he, um, it was obvious that he was not too happy with them. Um, perhaps he was trying to show them what it felt like to be him. And so he put them in jail, but then after in prison, then after three days, he let all of them go except for um, Simeon. And so he told him, Simeon has to stay because he did, they did reveal that their brother, Benjamin, was back home with their father. So all the brothers didn't travel to get grain, all except for Benjamin traveled. And so he said, I'm going to hold Simeon here and you have to go back and bring your other brother. Still under the guise of making them believe that he thought they were spies. And he was telling them, in order for you to prove that you're not spies and that you're telling the truth, you got to return with your brother. Well, they go home. They have to break the news to their father that now <laughs> Simeon is in Egypt and being held as a prisoner. They explain all this to their father. Their father's like, no, you're not taking Benjamin. Perhaps he's still feeling some type of way about how... You know, he lost Joseph. And again, remember, Joseph and Benjamin were the two children that was born from the wife that he really, really, really loved, the wife that he favored. So he didn't want to risk losing him, too. So at first he was like, no, you're not you're not taking him. So in the meantime, the grain that they purchased had ran out. So now Joseph, I mean, Jacob doesn't have any choice but to send in order for them to survive. He doesn't have any choice but to send Benjamin ahead. And so he sends Benjamin ahead. They go back to um, Egypt. They go back into the presence of Joseph with Benjamin. Joseph sees Benjamin and has a hard time refraining from um, showing his emotion he goes, he leaves their present, he goes to his bedchamber, and he cries, he gets his cry out, he wipes his face, and he comes back. And this time, they're in his personal house. And so, they end up um, having dinner, and during the dinner, he still is being, um, acting funny, if you will, towards them, because when the portions of food came out, he gave everybody the same portion except for Benjamin, where he gave Benjamin five times more than he gave the other brothers, which was still an indication that he was still feeling some type of way. But you can see throughout this situation, he's starting to soften up a little bit. He's showing his brother Benjamin more favor than he's showing his brother. He's making a difference. Um, and so even after that, which brings us to our text to this evening. He, after they ate and did all that, he finally wants to reveal himself, which brings us to uh, Genesis chapter 45, beginning at verse 1. And so here he, it says in verse 1, Then Joseph could not reframe himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, call, and he cried, and Said, cause every man to go out from me. 
And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. So after all of this stuff that he, that has transpired, he decides it is now time for me to reveal who I am. But what we must really pay attention to is he did not reveal who he was in front of all his attendants. Notice he said he calls every man to go out from him. What this says to us is that we must recognize that family business needs to stay family business. Joseph sent everybody that was not part of his family away. There are certain there are certain things that happen within the family that needs to remain in the family. There is family business that doesn't need to be shared with anybody except for family. Now, don't get me wrong. Hear me clear. There are certain situations that do. There are times that there are certain situations that go on in a family that require a third party. Uh, example, a counselor. Maybe if you can't resolve family issues and things like that, maybe a third party is brought in and that party is brought in to res- help resolve issues. Or there might be a certain situation that have um, come about in a family, whether, you know, someone might have been um, mishandled as a child or, you know, or let me just go out and say it, or molested or physically abused where a third party needs to be brought in because perhaps... Um, a law has been broken and then you have to bring in, you know, law enforcement and things like that. So let's set that there. But then there is other family business that needs to stay within the family. It doesn't need to go on Facebook. It doesn't need to go on Instagram. It doesn't need to be on any social media platforms. It doesn't need to be um, shared with the community. It doesn't need to be shared with um, outsiders. Again, we see that Joseph sent everybody away except for the brothers. The problem was between him and the brothers, not between his attendants, not between Egypt, not between Pharaoh. It was between him and the brothers. So again, he sent everybody away and then he revealed who he was. Again, we can take some wisdom from that, which allows us to understand that we need to learn to keep family business, family business. Again, social media doesn't need to know. The community don't need to know. In order to resolve some things, we have to keep that amongst family. And so he reveals himself and he says to them, I am, he's he's weeping, he wept out loud. He wept so loud that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh heard him. Again, they might have heard him crying. They might have heard him weeping, but they didn't have the information. And so again, he wept so loud. He wept so loud that it was heard. But again, they wasn't privy to the family business. They weren't privy to the information. And so again, not only that is when it says he wept out loud, that shows that throughout this process, we saw that Joseph, when he first laid his eyes on his brothers, and then when he laid his eyes on his brother Benjamin, you know, he had, he would have to go away in order to cry. But here he just let it loose. There is times where we have to get to the place to where we can no longer suppress how we are feeling. Sometimes people would, are so quick to tell us to suck it up or, um, especially Christians. We, as Christians, we, we are oftentimes told to, um, oh, as, like we're not strong in our faith or that we're not, um, showing, um, how Christian, if you will, how Christian we are by crying or showing emotions. No, there are times when we have to just let it loose. We have to just weep. We have to let what has been suppressed for so many years, we just have to let it out. Uh, and so again here, Joseph, he wept out loud. He didn't run to another room. He didn't try to suck it up. He didn't try to hold it in. He let it loose. There is time. There is times where we have to just let it loose. Cry. God gave us these emotions. We need to let it loose 
If you're feeling some type of way about it, let it loose. Now, there's a certain setting that it needs to happen in. Again, it doesn't need to be on the social media platform. It doesn't need to be in the in the um, community. But there are times where there is certain situations where there's an environment where you there there is an environment where you can actually just let it loose. And so Joseph here decides to he says I can't I can't reframe it anymore. I can't hold it in no more. And he let it loose, but not before sending out those who were not involved in it and so after he reveals he says to his brother he says I am Joseph and the next question he says do my father live and look at what it says next it says and his brothers could not answer him for they were troubled at his presence wow speechless I am Joseph again they didn't recognize who he was he recognized them but he didn't they didn't recognize him perhaps because he had been in Egypt so long and perhaps he was dressed like any you know how Egypt dressed but he recognized them but they didn't recognize him but they were when he revealed who he was they were speechless wow was could that be an indication that they were in shock Wow, Joseph, here it is, a 20-year-old, 20 or 22-year-old problem, because it had been about 20 to 22 years since they had done what they'd done to him, since they sold him. But here, this 20-year-old problem has resurfaced, a problem that they thought was dead. Here it is. A situation that they thought was dead, that they thought was gone, that they thought was no more, has resurfaced. And within some of our own lives, there are times when a situation that we thought was dead and done and over with. But here we find with Joseph, a 20 something year old problem has resurfaced. And the same way that it has resurfaced in their lives, some of us are dealing with, are having to deal with some of that, some of that's not that particular situation where we have, you know, thrown our brother in a pit and sold him into slavery. But there's some situations where we have done some things to some family members and we thought that the situation was dead only for it to resurface years later. And sometimes, and again, when he says, I am Joseph. They were speechless. Shock. There are some situations that's going to arise that's going to shock you. Where you're thinking that you've gone past that, but that situation is still, still there. It has resurfaced. There are situations where we're going to have to learn to deal with it. We can no longer sweep them under the rug. We can no longer act like they don't exist. Joseph is here. He is confronting his brothers. He is sharing with his brothers. This is me. It is I. The problem that you thought you got rid of, the one that you that you threw in a pit, the one you sold into slavery, here I am. Here it is. Here I stand. And they're speechless. Again, there are some things that will resurface in our lives that will render us speechless. But guess what? It didn't stop there. Joseph goes on and says, he says to him, he tells them to come near me. Well, let's stop right there. How many of us are willing to tell the person or persons who have done us wrong, who have betrayed us, who have done us dirty, come close to me? It didn't say that they offered any apologies or anything like that, but it, let's back up. It did, um, earlier on when they were coming to buy grain, Joseph did overhear them talks amongst themselves in their language because they didn't think that, because they didn't know who Joseph was. They were talking Hebrew and they thought that Joseph couldn't, they didn't know that 
Joseph could understand what they were saying, but they were talking amongst themselves, basically saying that the reason why they were going through what they were going through when Joseph was talking um, mean to them and when he was accusing them of being spies and then when he put them in prison, they brought up the fact that perhaps this is happening to us because of what we did to our own brother. So he had already known that they had some remorse. But here in this situation, wasn't no apology offered. But even still, he told them to come close. How many of us can tell that person, even though we don't didn't receive that apology, even though it never came out of their mouths, we're so sorry. Again, they acknowledged what they did and they acknowledged that they were reaping, um, reaping what they had done to someone else. They were reaping in their own lives what they had done to their brother, but never once did they come out of their mouths and say, I'm so sorry, Joseph. But even still, he told them to come close. And not only did he tell them to come close, but he also says, he tells them basically to forgive themselves. Look at verse five. He says, now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves. Wow, that's very big of him. Joseph, did you forget what they had done to you? Did you forget that they had threw you in a pit? Did you forget that they sold you to some Ishmaelites and left you, rejected you, discarded you like he wasn't nothing? Did you forget? But Joseph is teaching us tonight. He's teaching us that you can't hold on. You can't harbor on to that stuff. Because there's, he recognized that there was a reason why things transpired in his life like they did. And he goes on to share with them that it wasn't, even though they were used as the tools, as tools to get him where he needed to be. Again, let's look at verse five. He, he shares with them. He says, he says, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither. Then he goes on to say, this is key right here. He says, for God did send me before you to preserve your life. He's sharing with them. He's, he's giving them revelation of the revelation that he got. For a while, he thought, oh, my brothers just did me wrong. But somewhere in the process, whether it was somewhere in the process, he got revelation that it wasn't the brothers, but it was the hand of God that moved him into the position that he would later fulfill. And that is second in command in Pharaoh. In, uh, under Pharaoh in Egypt. So when he got that revelation that it wasn't them, yeah, they were used as tools. It was by their hand, but it was God orchestrating this. Again, some might be thinking like, why would God orchestrate something terrible like that in his life? Why would God allow him to go to a pit? Why would God put him in prison? Why would God allow Potiphar's wife to accuse him? Why would God, why would God? In the same way, we God allowed it. God allowed it the same way that he allowed um, with Job. He allowed Satan to do what he did in Job's life. Let's recall that scripture in Job where he, he, the angels came and presented themselves before God and Satan had presented himself and he had asked Satan, you know, where have you been? And Satan responds to say, I've been, you know, going to and fro throughout the earth. And then God says, have you considered my servant Job? And then Satan responds and says, I can't get to Job because you have this hedge of protection around him. And so God says, okay, I'm going to lift this hedge of protection. So basically he gave Satan permission to do what he did in Job's life. He took Job's children he took, he destroyed everything Job had as far as like his houses and all the wealth that he, he took all of that. He stripped Job of everything, but he couldn't touch Job's soul. He could not. There were certain boundaries that he could not cross. But God gave permission. Because I believe that God knew that the test that he took Job through, that Job would come on the ups, he would come through that test on the other side victorious. And in doing so, he was rewarded double for all that he lost. He was rewarded double 
And so here, Joseph comes to the understanding that, yes, God might have used your used you as the tools to get me where I needed to be because the ultimate goal, the ultimate destination was Egypt. And in Egypt, that is where God positioned him to be in the position that he is. And he needed him to be in that position in order to save the family's life. So again, he tells them to come close. And then he basically tells them to forgive themselves because he understood that it was not them, but it was the hand of God that brought him to the position that he's he's serving in in order to preserve their life and the life of and their future posterity. And so what does that say to us this evening? What does this say to us this evening? This says to us that there's going to be, God is showing us, he has given us his promises. And just like Joseph, he showed Joseph those dreams. He showed Joseph, he showed how they would uh, bow down to him. His family would bow down to him. But he didn't show Joseph the in-betweens. He didn't show Joseph the pit. He didn't show Joseph Potiphar's house. He didn't show Joseph the prison. And within our own lives, he has given us a promise. And some of us are walking out that promise and things are not, are not, ha- are what we think of as not happening too good for us. We're going through some trials and tribulations. Maybe some of you are, are experiencing some trials and tribulations on your job. Maybe you're not being treated fairly. Maybe you've been demoted. Maybe um, you've been um, accused of some things. Or maybe some of us, like, we've been thrown in a pit. That pit was a dry place. Maybe some of us are in a dry place. Or maybe some of our family members, uh, some, somebody in our family has done us wrong. Maybe there has been some betrayal. And betrayal cuts like a knife. It cuts like a knife and and then it's like salt being poured on a wound. It hurts really, really bad. But could it be that God is using this? Could it be that God is orchestrating all of this stuff that we think of as bad in our lives to get us where we need to be? Again, Joseph was thrown in a pit, but that pit was only a pit stop. And notice that there's all these moving parts here. He goes from the pit, then he's being sold. All of this is trying to usher in. All of this is leading him to his purpose. He's going from the pit, from a pit stop. He's being sold to to the Ishmaelites. They carry him where he needs to be. He ends up in Potiphar's house, which is an indication where he is, an indication that training is taking place. Again, he's in charge of the household. But then another problem arises, and I believe that the problem arises because he was getting comfortable where he was, and it was time for him to move to the next leg of the journey. And so the accusation from Potiphar's wife happens. So a lot of times we look at all this bad stuff happened to us, but could it be that God is behind the scenes and he's orchestrating things because maybe where you're at right now, you're, 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 um, getting a level of success. You're getting some success, but that's not where God wants you to be at. So he allows something else to happen to move you to the next leg of the journey. And that next leg of the journey, now Joseph being accused by Potiphar's house, by Potiphar's wife is now being moved to the prison. And then when he's in prison, now his gifts are being exercised. So that's some more training that's that's taking place. And all of this stuff is setting him up to be who God has called him to be. And that is a deliverer, a savior, a type of Christ. Because he needed to be in prison. He needed to meet the butler in order for the butler to reveal to Pharaoh that he knows someone that can interpret his dream. And then from there, he moves from there to the palace. He goes from the pit to Potiphar's house to prison and now to the palace. And now he is sitting in the position of power where God will use him 
by supplying him with the wisdom he needed in order to preserve not only just Egypt, but to preserve his family, the brothers who did him dirty, those brothers who thought that they could stop the plan of God. Can't nobody stop the plan of God, no matter what they did. Again, remember, they saw him coming and says, let's kill that dreamer. They did, they wanted to kill his dreams, but they couldn't kill the dream. They couldn't, they couldn't stop what God was doing. No matter what they did, they threw him in a pit. He was raised about the pit. He was sold into slavery, but that still didn't stop him. 22 years later, it resurfaced. You cannot kill what God has blessed. Again, that concludes our Bible study tonight. And I pray that our takeaways tonight is this. No matter what God promised you, nobody can stop the hand of God. And not only that is, there are times when there seems like all kinds of bad is happening in our lives. But we can see from the life of Joseph that all things, the bad and the good, work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Again, that is Romans 8.28. All things work together for the good of, to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Again, I hope you have been blessed by this Bible study. Look forward to seeing you next week. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Well, dear friends, I know that you're glad that you attended tonight, that you came to learn of the Lord and know of your faith. Before we go tonight, let us just take some time to pray together. God, we thank you and we praise you for your day, for your love, your peace, your joy. You've blessed us throughout this day, throughout our lives, God, and our hearts are just made to shout hallelujah in your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. We ask that you etch it upon the tablets of our hearts, that we might walk therein and be as the Christ has led us, to love one another as we love you. We ask, Lord, that you strengthen us to do your great work, that we might continue to bless the world through the presence of your Holy Spirit leading and guiding us forever. We appreciate you, God, and you give us our health, our strength, and we say thank you for that, for all of the resources that you provide us. We are so appreciative, and we thank you in the matchless, wonderful name of Christ. And now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless on that great and last day. The everlasting, invisible, immortal God, may he make his face shine upon you and let his countenance fall. May the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with you henceforth and forevermore. Amen. God bless you and keep you. We certainly hope that you will come back and visit us on Sunday, Sunday at 11 a.m. right back here at this same place. You ought to come and you ought to invite both family and friends. We look forward to you being a part of our worship on Sunday at 11. God bless you and God keep you. This has been another broadcast of Living the Bible Together with Dr. Troy Shaw from the Liberty Hill Church, where we worship virtually on Sundays at 11 a.m. For more information or to contribute to this ministry, please visit us online at livingthebibletogether.org. God bless you and have a great week. Liberty Hill, living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry.